Support for An Honest Account comes from Moneybox, the award-winning app helping people save and invest for their future. Moneybox allows you to invest with your spare change, from your morning coffee to your bus fare, rounded up to the nearest pound. Moneybox offers a range of savings and investment accounts and makes it super easy to use. All you do is sign up in minutes and get started with just one pound. Join over 200,000 people saving and investing for their future with Moneybox. You can download the app today or head to moneyboxapp.com for more details. Please remember that with all investing, your capital is at risk. And thank you to Moneybox. Welcome to An Honest Account, a podcast about how money affects our lives, our work, health, relationships and more. I'm Rachel Revis, a financial journalist, and I'm speaking to Jen Selby, the journalist, editor and women's rights campaigner. As a survivor of male violence, Jen was motivated to become involved in politics. This year, she stood as a candidate against the former Tory MP Mark Field, who grabbed a female protester around the neck. He stood down a few months later, claiming uncertainty around Brexit. Recently, the Liberal Democrats have adopted several policies from the Women's Equality Party in exchange for Jen standing down in the seat of the City of London and Westminster. We chatted about many things, but I wanted to ask her how you could campaign, stand for Parliament and still pay your rent. Thanks so much, Jen, for joining me today. No problem. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you because I've seen you all over the headlines, <laughs> all over <laughs> social media, and it's just been an exciting few months for you and, and the party. And full disclosure, I am a paid member of Women's Quality Party. Amazing. Um, and I have been since the beginning. I'd really like to hear a bit more about what, just what has the past few months been like for you? Because as, as an outsider, it seems like it's come to this incredible kind of head basically yeah I mean it's incredible for me that it has come to a head before we've even gone to the polls Ooh. in fact like 23 days I think to this day yeah. <laughs> we're still waiting for the, the polls and um, we've managed to achieve so much in such a relatively short span of time especially the influence we've had over the can- the, the selection the candidate selection process and um, the way that parties are starting to think about what is and what isn't a suitable um, person to be to be standing for them for election um it's been a really uh, quite crazy few months for me mm-hmm. um i actually answered the call <laughs> to to um stand for them when i was feeling pretty run down and a bit burnt out and it was one of those decisions that you sort of you sort of think to yourself will i ever do this again uh, i could be waiting another 5 years before we've even got a chance and actually the matter and the 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 campaign in itself um which was to hold um men to account for unanswered allegations of harassment and assault that hadn't already been done so by Parliament. Some allegations have been going on for two odd years. I just felt it was too important to pass up. And I but just thought I need to... start with Philip Davies? Was what? that when that kind of started, the tactic of holding individual, like standing in seats where men had been... Yes, yeah, so for the party, I mean, as a candidate, and mm. I'm running in the way that I have, I have been an active, really active member of the party since March mm. when I was um, elected to be um, 
uh, in the running for the uh, Greater London Assembly, which I will be doing in May. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm on from this election. I'm going to be going straight into another campaign and doing that. But um, I was a member when all that was going on. And I certainly had much more... um, I mean, I've been campaigning politically for years for various aspects of women's rights. And the Philip Davies uh, standing against him in the 2017 elections um, came from the back of him filibustering um, several and multiple... um, Uh, bills that would further the rights of women and protect women and girls from male violence um, which he famously would stand up and try and talk until he talked the bill out of parliament Um, and one of those was was our bill when I worked for IC Change and I did all of their press and he actually inadvertently gave us like absolute gold dust when he stood and spoke for well over like I think it was 72 minutes because you know I managed to get the Istanbul convention is the gold standard for protection for women and girls and it, it, it works across all forms of domestic violence but um spoken about and explained on the sun in the sun newspaper mm. which would never be a thing had mm. philip davies not done his toxic tory as they said in the headline thing and tried to talk out a bill on women's rights yeah. so so that all came from that um and he was I, like I, an annoying little kind of gnat he kept popping up like yeah can't, who, who's the the guy that um prevented the upskirting bill the first time around. Oh, I can't remember. He Mr. was like... Ch- Mr. Not Chode. I wish. Chope. 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 There we go. Yeah, and he's like, we I have- mean, I think the former was slightly more accurate, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um. It's just all these technicalities <laughs> which is driving me nuts. Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like these arcane kind of procedural things like we all know yeah. it's not really about that yeah and it's not really about that and actually they're men's rights activists and we know they are and we know that they are from their narrative and we know they are from the meetings that they attend and the organizations that they're part of and the blogs that they write so there's no pulling the wool over our eyes and saying actually it's good for democracy that we filibuster bills or we try and talk down bills and actually that's what debate's all about and there should be healthy filibustering no we can look at these people's backgrounds and as journalists that's what we do and that's what we always do is we look into the reason why someone might do something and it's perfectly obvious in these two men's case so yeah I Mm -hmm. guess it does stem from that Mm -hmm. Um, but this has been much bigger and more robust and interesting and um, personal campaign because obviously all five of us um, all four of us are survivors of male violence so in our own rights all of us have very different stories Um, no one less harrowing and when we're listening to each other talk we cry (laughs) like when each other is speaking because some of the stories are just so bad and so you know we're all sitting around talking about it and all there and all able to participate in this way yet nothing takes away from the fact how um you know, brutal a reality that is to live with continuously and to be made, or not made to, but to know that unless we speak about it, unless we're able to give that human impact and stand there saying, actually, you can't say anything against, well, you, you, can, you can if you want, but brave man, because I've actually been through this and I can tell you what it's like. Um, unless we do that, then it's hard to get people to care enough to cover it or to take our issues seriously. Um, that's something we've seen in the US as well recently like survivors of of male violence you know physically walking up to these politicians in the halls of power and saying look at me like listen to my story Mm. Um, whether it was you know Christine Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and that kind of time like these people actually they made real change just by saying you've got to listen to my story and, Mm. and that seems to be a powerful way of doing it but tell me a little bit more about remind us all about what happened with Mark Mark Field, like that image of him 
grabbing that protester by the neck went viral. Yeah. What? So how did you see that, and what did, what was your reaction, and how did that then spur you? To stand I mean, against I it? think I saw that in the same way that almost everyone I've spoken to does, apart from the few men who just simply cannot imagine themselves in the position that that woman was in. Um, I think as a woman, um, as any woman who lives in the society that we live in today, and actually most men who are very uh, who are appalled by his actions, can see that that was a violent act that was went way over and crossed the boundaries of what that situation actually was. Um, and it was it was the sheer aggression of it. It was his face. It was the fact he went for a neck. It was the way he dragged her out afterwards. It was everything to do with that. It was the fact that he wasn't held to account. The fact that we know he joked about it afterwards in subsequent events that he attended. Like, he has no remorse for that. He might have said that it was he was remorseful in public. But, you know, we, we have no doubt as to that guilt. It's on camera. Um, and you know what? If he was so worried about it, and he was so worried about clearing his name, then do the investigation. Don't let Boris Johnson drop it. And then he gets cleared at the end of it if he's really sure that he didn't do anything. But the mm. fact is he was never held to account for that. And we took that very seriously right from the outset. So actually the campaign against Mark Field has been since that happened and it's gone all the way through August, all the way through September, all the way through October. It's been several red dress protests. So we've had activists dressed in... Um, homage to uh, Janet um, Barker, who was the Greenpeace activist. Who the red grabbed, dresses. The red dress protests, mm. yep, the famous red dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we really wanted to <laughs> trigger a response, I guess, from the Conservatives whenever they saw us in red dresses. and whenever. So we, we went to their events. We went to um, meetings chaired by them. Uh, we, I mean, famously, on the, the night that he announced his resignation, we had 30 activists cable tie themselves outside the Grosvenor Hotel to physically stop him from entering his own selection process <laughs> meeting, which was quite astounding. Mm. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't stop. We had a billboard campaigns. We had several of them. We had a massive billboard in Leicester Square mm. about um, the, the fact that MPs have been able to um, get away with having these unanswered allegations and not face uh, proper scrutiny from Parliament or their parties. We know that there's an independent body that has been set up to do this. It's only just come into action. And at the moment, we've had, you know, it's it's only successfully um, tried one person um, who was who was a, a lord. Um, mm. And we know how many people after Pest Minister actually had allegations against them. Now, all of those people, if they have not resigned already and been able to choose their own consequence, have still got their jobs. So what did it... What did it feel like to stand up against him? I mean, he knows what happened. And then when he stepped down, what was that like? And did you do you think it was a direct result of you? I mean, definitely 100%. I think we, like, there's no way of saying that if we were not there, that, you know, there's no other conclusion. If we were not there and we had not been doing that, we had not been on the streets with leaflets saying, your MP grabbed a woman by neck, by the neck, and he got away with it. You know, we it, we went hardcore. We had a petition to change the Recall Act as well, right from the start. So the Recall Act at the moment um, means you can sack your MP if they're found guilty of um, expenses uh, scandal, or if they are um, if they receive a, a custodial sentence, but not if they've been found guilty of harassment, assault, or anything else by an independent body. So that's what. You know, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll get to it, but that's what we've actually negotiated to make sure is something that is discussed in next Parliament. Um, what did he give as his reason to for stepping down? 
for his stepping down, he yeah. said Brexit. Brexit. So I think Brexit's becoming the to spend the new to spend time with my family. It's, it's kind of being Honorable. like, oh no, I'm so crazily mixed up about Brexit that I need to step down. I don't think anyone believed that. Um, Did you ever meet him? No, which I'm really sad about uh, because I think you know. I just wonder how that conversation would have gone. Yeah, that would um, be interesting. But yeah, it would have been really interesting. And honestly, like I don't, I'm not a particularly. Um, I'm hard, I'm not a shrinking violet when it comes to such things. Mm-hmm. So I think that the conversation there could have been quite interesting. How um, did how did you um, logistics wise like choose who would stand where against which which man? I think this was chosen by the um, committee again. I think okay. um, I. I yeah, I, I think I was chosen because I'm a Londoner, but, um, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, and also it was one of, um, I'm familiar with the area, super familiar. And mm-hmm. also I'm running in the GLA. So I guess it kind of all ties in together that I'm doing a London campaign and then another London campaign. Yeah. Um, whereas the others were sort of, it's still like a geographical thing, apart from in Dover, where we've got one of our um, other London, uh, LJ uh, Morris is, is standing against... Um, Charlie Elphick's wife now, Natalie Elphick, in um, mm-hmm. Dover. So, so it was kind of chosen like that. So before we get to the news about the Lib Dems adopting mm-hmm. your policies and stuff, can we just talk a little bit about how this year has affected you personally? Because yeah. this podcast is all about women and money, so can't get away without asking you um, a little bit about how it's affected you and, and your work and running for office, because I think a lot of women I like to think would like to um get more involved in activism and politics but perhaps one of the barriers might be oh you're okay you're nodding good one of the barriers would be would be money because I remember I went to a parliament project event and there was a Tory um MP who was talking about um running how she ran for MP and it just sounded exhausting and she had to really rely on her networks to help and everyone Mm. just had to get in there and help and you know I just don't know how most people would do that and still have a job so (laughs) so big question I can Um, say that I am feeling pretty broke at this point at this in this at this point in time um one of the main reasons for me and one that I knew would be a huge barrier and would come at break great personal cost not just to me mentally and physically because obviously when I'm talking about uh things that have happened to me personally um there's a there's a great deal of trauma around that and it can be very triggering um, but then I'm also, you know, we're looking at the other side of it, which I'm, I'm a journalist and running for office um, and journalism doesn't quite measure up unless, you, of course, you're just dipped out of office or just go into it like <laughs> Boris Johnson or George Osborne or Michael Gove or any of the other people that have managed to do that. But when you are running for office, you can't do, as a freelance especially, you can't do a bunch of stuff that you usually do. So for me, that cut out a lot of my normal reporting shifts and editing work. So I've been relying on commissions and only really getting those commissions from um, places, things that are entirely unrelated or um, some stuff that I'm talking about as a survivor which has been good um, but otherwise yeah it's been it's been tough and I've taken a big hit financially from it it's been really difficult um, and I've had to come straight out of that campaign and 
honestly, this, the same day after I announced I was standing down and that hit the press, I was emailing all of my usual workplaces mm-hmm. and being like, hey, I've stood down, can I have my job back, please? Because I really need to earn some money. It's been intense. The personal cost, the financial cost, all of it has been intense, but I think the results are just about worth it. I really do. For us as well, like none of us um, received any justice for yeah. what had happened to us. Mm. Um, I'm one of the very many how many is is something like 98.3 percent of all women who report a rape to the police Mm. that will not see a conviction for their attacker like that's almost all of us um so you know you're carrying around that and you're carrying around this sort of guilt and this um the shame and everything that comes with that and all of the confusing things and the victim blaming and everything else that all rolls together to be you and going away knowing that that person just got off and no mark against his name and is able to walk free while you're just sitting there wondering how you move on with it all with no burial and um for stuff like for for doing stuff like this it gives you that place it's like you know campaigning is a big way of getting that justice for yourself as well as other survivors and I think that aspect of it has been the thing that has carried all of us through those sorts of symptoms and PTSD and everything else it's just this knowledge that actually at the end of it um, it's worth it. Mm. And you're running again next May, so I am. So um, I'm like thinking about that and slightly <laughs> feeling a bit sick. Yeah, well, I was going to ask. Like, I don't know if lessons learned is the right question, but just what what are you going to take forwards for the uh, next time? I mean, um, for the London campaign, it's going to be really different because of the way that the GLA is run. So you, you can vote for more than one party. So people will be able to vote for our mayoral candidate, um, candidate who is uh, Dr. Sue Black, who's an amazing, um, you know, um, knighted. What's the what's the opposite to knighted? Woman did, <laughs> I don't know, female knighted. Um, she's but she's an incredible like tech scientist and also a survivor of domestic abuse and uh, she's going to be running as our mayoral candidate so you can vote for her or you can vote for whoever you want and then there's basically 12 people who sit in the GLA and then there's super constituencies and there's one person for each of them so it's like you can vote for you vote for sort of uh, people and you can vote for multiple parties depending on your preference Um, and it's a different it's a proportional representation system Um, Mm. so you're much more likely to get a reflection of uh, different views and different um, uh, beliefs and policies reflected in that. Um, as a result, I'm kind of middle of the list because um, no one knew who I was. And I just got asked to stand by uh, Sophie Walker, who was the leader of the party at the time. He'd seen me speak on other stuff for other campaigns in the past and just asked me to get involved. Um, so being middle of the list means that I'm not in any danger, thankfully, of actually being elected. <laughs> but it does mean that I'm a big part. We're hoping to get a one or two seats in the, the GLA. I think mm. we can 100% achievable, especially after the success we've had of this campaign. Mm. And just because, again, I just think it's such an important point and people really care about violence against women and girls, as well as other um, feminist aspects of um, policy that could really improve our the city for everyone, not just Remember for... Sophie Walker, when she ran last time i'm sure she got like one in you know it's pretty impressive like every one in 20 londoners or something voted yeah. for her yeah a huge amount of people voted for her um and we're we, you know i'm pretty sure we can get a seat in the next one you don't have to get that much we usually poll at about 10 or 15 percent of the vote which is obviously why our negotiation position in this coming snap election has been so powerful in marginal seats because mm. that can really swing it for people um so have you thought more about the fact that there is this law which means we can't 
necessarily do the normal journalistic activities during a campaign mm-hmm. and you're going to continue to campaign and obviously this is important to you so have you is it made you think more about your long-term career kind of strategy it has. yeah it has I'm not sure I'm not sure what to do next but I also um I, I love writing and I love talking to people women's stories are really important to me and I want to be able to carry on doing that I hope that I will be able to earn enough money so I don't have to... I mean, I, the thing is, I book shift work because genuinely I love news and I love going in and I love the... You know, I love being in a newsroom and I like other people. And sometimes <laughs> doing commissions and sitting at home, although my dog is very lovely, he's a bit... He lacks conversation somewhat. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's not the chattiest of fellows. And, um, you know, you can it can be feel a bit isolating. So I deliberately mix my life up to be like that. But I think my ideal would be if I could do more advocacy and campaigning and get paid for it somehow and then do the commission on the other side. So I'm going out and then I've got the other stuff. That would be my sort of ideal balance for a career, I think. Mm. Um, just think a way to make enough. a massive barrier generally for people running yeah. for office? Especially yeah, I women. really do. I really do. I think that the Women's Equality Party are really clever in the way that they set up funding. Um, like they have funding for people who on on uh, low incomes to run because it's important that we hear their voices too and actually you know when we're sitting in parliament making laws about uh people um we need all aspects and all um uh, voices to be heard and especially the people that those policies and those laws might affect um so if you're from a low-income background yeah you should be having a say on what goes on with universal credit and um and other policies um, around mm. that too. Um, and they recognise that importance and they do really support people in that to make sure that people aren't struggling while they're campaigning for us. Yeah. Um, but I think um, it is still an issue. It's a rich man's game and I'm stressed. <laughs> I am actually quite stressed about thinking, you know, I'm freelance, it's getting to the end of the year where you start thinking about how much tax you've got to pay in January. Mm-hmm. And it is getting to like, I don't know, I don't, I hate the words, I hate the phrase squeaky bum time, but that's all what I can that? think about. It's like an old football phrase that basically means like, it's, you know, you're getting to the crunch time. It's like, never heard that in my life. I heard it and I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. And now I can't stop using it. But, um, <laughs> yeah. oh, but it's, um, I think it's old Alex Ferguson actually or something like that isn't it something like that, something like that yeah I'm just talking to the listeners <laughs> don't mind me but um, <laughs> well it's good to I know. know I don't like tax time either so I don't like tax time but you know you've got to pay them that's Absolutely. the thing about being a politician you can't you know that's the last thing you want to get Lols. caught out is not paying <laughs> I ran for office and then couldn't pay my taxes it's not it's not the headline anyone wants yeah but um so tell me more about the um policies recent news that um yeah, the Lib Dems have adopted yeah. the Women's Equality Parties. So again, policies. this has been months months of negotiations and talks. And, you know, when I when I took up candidacy in that seat, I reached a handout to um, all of the other um, progressive, pro-Remain parties, I might add, um, and offered to negotiate in exchange for me standing aside in that seat um, for our policies um, our, re- our policy red lines, one of which was to amend the Recall Act, as we discussed earlier. The other was for the proper and sustained funding of uh, domestic um, abuse and rape crisis centres. And the final one was a free childcare policy. We want it to be universal, um, which means from um, the end of maternity leave until school age, 
um, everyone, all, all women, are able to um, have their children properly and safely looked after so that they can work. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a fully costed model, um, all worked out, um, that actually ends up, you know, boosting the economy by, you know, allowing more women to get back into work and stopping a reliance on um, universal credit and things like that because there's simply no point in <laughs> going back to work if everything you're earning is going towards childcare. So, you know, um, that was the whole point of that. Um, and yeah, Chaka was one of the first ones to, uh, Chaka Umna that is, um, who's running for the Lib Dem in that seat. Um, he was one of the first to reach out to me, meet me and negotiate with us um, and really take us seriously. And we tested his commitment several times. And what, um, what does that mean? In, tested his yeah. commitment, asked him to do stuff, okay. which he did. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know. Um, um, and when you say negotiate, what did that look like? What were you negotiating on? Negotiating. Well, we we want those. We wanted those policies to be in the heart of their manifesto, which isn't out yet. But I can tell you, they will be in the heart of that manifesto. Okay. I think it's out tomorrow, actually. Um, but did is it a case of them saying, you know, we give you our word, basically? It's a, but it's a formal commitment. So okay. we've got formal commitment. We've got it in writing. We've got it publicly. Like I've done a lot of. We've done a lot of press. I've been all over the place, being like, "Hey, look at this guy. Look what he's promised to do." <laughs> okay. I've actually told yeah. him face to face, being like, "And if you don't do it, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be on your doorstep, being really annoying until you do, mm. and I'll call it out in the press." So it's like mm. people have been quite worried because they're like, "You can't trust them. You can't." You know, people still remember the Nick Clegg days and. Um, the, the heartbreak of the coalition, I guess. You have to be pragmatic if you will want to get stuff done. And being pragmatic means being able to work collaboratively and cross-party um, on key issues. Um, mm. And it's essential that you're able to do that. It's not always your favourite person or with the, that is in complete line with how you think um, that will do what you need them to do. And actually that's then feeds into tribalism, which is, you know, gets us into the, the mess that we're in at the moment um, with Brexit and the, the state that Parliament is because of tribalism. So it's important that we are able to garner support cross-party to achieve what we need to achieve and get stuff done. Um, and that's what we've done with the Lib Dems. Do you think this tactic will... The, given the success it's had now will continue I mean it seems like a really good good deal for them like okay adopt the policy you step down we like... stepped down in cities and in Sheffield as well so Sheffield Hallam um they're going mm. he's they've got Laura Gordon who's a doctor and fantastic woman is going up against and she's been she's been like staking that ground out for like two years um she's going against Jared O'Mara who's still standing <laughs> probably so he gets his golden handshake at the end and gets to leave with money um, which is what, you know, if MPs resign, they don't get their payout, basically, which um, may well be um, <laughs> why he is standing again, despite the very many allegations that he had against him that went unanswered and that he mm. was allowed to run as an independent MP. Um, mm. You know, next time his constituents will be able to sack them, him or someone like him because of the changes that we've made. Yeah, but do you think, again, that... Um going forward people will see more of a way how to implement that cross-party work because people were always worried about <clears throat> splitting the vote and mm. you know in the Philip Davies thing I think a vague memory um wasn't it Labour that came along and stood in that seat as well back in 2017 yeah, it certainly was so they they didn't show any sign of kind of cooperation back then it seems to be kind of the Women's Equality Party seems to be the only one that's actually implementing this tactic of like well if 
if you take our policies, we'll step down. Nobody else seems to be willing. I mean, um, the Green Party have done it in a few places. For The the, the whole Remain Alliance has been interesting to watch. Mm. So we've had Plaid Cymru and uh, the Green Party and um, several other smaller parties that have teamed up with people in certain areas so that they can tactically vote to try and push a Remain Parliament. Um, which has been interesting. And that's kind of been what we've doing. And I mean, the Green Party are in the worst and the best position in the fact that all of the major parties have been forced to take on climate um, policies and to put that at the centre of their manifestos. It's an absolute gift for any party and you'd love that, but it now means that it's quite difficult because they've had all their policies stolen for them to, like, you know, for them to actually win that seat in power and hold them to account. So they're very much in the same position that we are um, mm. in that in that sense. Um so, yeah, um, I think, though, that people are fed up of tribalism. I think mm. they are fed up of, um, uh, you know, the, the the fact that we've gone to that point is pushing us to extremism in politics. Um, any election based on a referendum um, usually pushes people to vote in more of an extreme way or in a way that they wouldn't usually, which is why I think the snap election is so worrying. But on the plus side, it also means that smaller parties like the Women's Equality Party and the Green Party can capitalise on that and push to get negotiations in seats in the way that we've done. And I think that's been really, really successful. Yeah. So why do you think, like, if I'm maybe being devil's advocate here, but if we've had, like, a woman prime minister recently and we've got an increasing number of women MPs and we've got the Women's Equality Party, why is it there's still such a lack of, like, resources and funding for so many crucial issues that affect women? I'm just lobbying us all at you. Interesting, isn't it? I would ask the same thing. As women being, like, human beings and more than half of the population, you'd think that there'd be... What I found really funny, actually, in this election campaign so far, as we, like, near the polls, has been that each party is trying to throw out pro-women policies some of them have nicked a bit of ours but sort of watered it down we've seen mm. some maternity policy we've seen menopause policy from the labor party um the liberal democrats have agreed to free childcare, although it's not universal we'd much rather it be completely universal and then i mean the tories i don't really know what they can say at this point but they've been giving it a go and trying to entice women voters despite uh, boris johnson's personal history um, mm. coming into play quite a lot um, and also the fact that they have stood mps with these unanswered allegations in seats and been forced to um, stand them down, although I think more accurately they've been allowed to resign and choose the, uh, their consequences for that their actions. We've mm. seen so many Tories topple to um, because they were unsuitable and because they've said like <laughs> appalling things about women or about rape or about things that we can't possibly accept and they know how influential and important the female vote is in this election. Mm. Um, as for women MPs, we've sadly, although we're seeing more uh, female MPs um, stand for election than ever before, which I think is is amazing, mm. um, and I'm so pleased that's the case. We've also seen female MPs leaving Parliament in droves. Um, I think 18 resigned in the over the last month. Some of them very key ministers. A lot of it over harassment and abuse mm. that's faced in Parliament. And until that is fixed, which is why we were standing to make sure there's that mechanism to get rid of uh, sexism and misogyny in Parliament as the absolute sort of, you know, as base level, how are we supposed to solve this problem and sort the rest of society out? Stop women being attacked, stop women being raped and men being able to get away with it with impunity if we cannot sort out Parliament. The hopeful note for me is that actually um, there have been several wins, like regardless yeah. of how this election has turned out, there have been some huge wins and I really think that 
what we've done, as well as the silence breakers, like the people that have brought forward these allegations in the first place, the women that have worked in Westminster and brought forward these allegations against people. Um, we have challenged power and we've won that. Um, and we've shown you that you can do that on a shoestring, that you can do that if you're clever about it, where you can do that using diverse voices and a diverse range of people, and that you do not have to be involved in politics in the first place to make a stand and make a change. You can be anyone. Um, and I just hope that what we've done encourages more people and more women especially to take part and to be active in that. Um, and if that's the only win we can take away, then that's enough for me at the moment. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Jen, for joining me. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to An Honest Account. Please leave us a rating, review and or subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Share it on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can email us at contact at anhonestaccount.co.uk.